You are listening to the Bold Dreams Held Loosely podcast hosted by myself, Taryn Watts, and my colleague and dear friend, Michelle Terrio. We believe that the quality of the conversations you're inside of shapes the quality of your life. Whether that's a conversation you're having with others, listening in on, or contemplating within yourself, what you think about and where you direct your energy matters. At the Mind Rebel Academy, we train and support change makers to step into their life's work as world-class coaches and leaders. After mentoring hundreds of people from around the world, what we've come to realize is that the most extraordinary coaches and leaders have one thing in common, and this is that they are wildly devoted to living deeply examined lives. After all, you can only go as deep with another as you're willing to go within yourself. And this podcast is just that, Michelle and I, two coaches and leaders, having raw, honest, very human conversations that are expanding our minds, opening us up to new possibilities, and keeping us steadfastly committed and focused to walking our path towards our deepest yearnings and greatest visions. And our intention is that these conversations do the same for you. So get comfy and settle in, and as always, you're invited to take what's for you and gently leave the rest. Enjoy. So it's been two weeks since we recorded the wild, wild west of the coaching industry. And over those two weeks, we've had a lot of other thoughts and, you know, things percolating and documentaries coming out and conversations had and we thought oh gosh we need to come back and have a part two of this conversation we're back for more we're back for more it's yeah. a big conversation yeah almost immediately after we finished the last conversation which i so enjoyed almost immediately i was like oh i wish we talked about this too and i wish we talked about this too and i was so happy when you just shared with me there's actually so much more I want to share. Yeah. yeah. So the first thing, maybe we could start here because the, the very first thing that you had reached out to me after our last conversation, you were like, we ever talked about the term life coach and what turns us off about the term life coach. So maybe we could start there. Yeah. Yeah. Life coach. <laughs> what happens in your body when I say that? Um, my intense reaction has died down a little bit because I've just been sitting with it so long, but what happens is what happened for me when I first started, especially trying that term on. So I remember being in coach training, um, and, and, you know, while I was in that process, I was having conversations with people saying, yes, I'm doing this training to become life coach <laughs> <laughs> and it was so funny because there's such a crazy discrepancy between how like fully i believed in absolutely everything we were learning and how much i was repulsed by the term life coach. And I started thinking like, okay, I'm going to, I'm not going to call myself a life coach. I'm going to call myself something different. And I think I, I think what I landed on, which never actually came to fruition. Like I never actually like 
formally adopted this title, but I was like, I'll call myself a personal coach instead of a life coach. Because to me, what happened in my mind when I heard life coach, I heard someone who's really good at life <laughs> or like I, something about the term life coach made me feel like I was telling people that I had my life figured out and I was going to coach about that. Even though that's not what coaching is, for some reason, I still had that association. And I felt like if I tell people that I'm a life coach, people who know me, they know my life, they know my struggles, especially people who like have known me for 20 years, they're going to be like, okay, you're going to help people with their lives. Look at your life. And that just felt so awful and so fraudulent, even though that's not what coaching is. It's still this association I couldn't get away from. And something about the, the term personal coach made it feel almost like a personal assistant. Like if someone needs an assistant, it's their personal assistant for whatever they need. I was like, I want to feel like that. Like I'm your coach for whatever you need. I can hold space for whatever. I'm not, I'm not claiming to master my life or, you know, have, have it all figured out. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that's at the heart of what repelled me and still kind of repels me, but it's, it's softened. That's at the heart of what repelled me was this undertone that I was hearing that I had my life figured out because I was a life coach, which I do not think has to be true. What is it for totally you? Agree. Yeah. So I totally agree with you. However, my, my reaction is a little bit different. Um, but I don't want to lose this little train of thought that I'm having because I think I, I've actually heard that a lot. And I'm always, I'm always, because it's not a thing for me in my, in my, in my brain, I'm always like, oh, wow, that's a, I'm always surprised to hear that people think I have to have my life together to become a coach. Hmm. That's, that is like far from the truth. You have to be incredibly self-aware to be a coach. You have to be so self-aware that you're not projecting <laughs> onto your clients to become a coach. You have to be skilled in the craft of coaching to become a coach, but do you have to have it all together? No, no way. Mm. For me, it was um, the term life, the term life coach cheapened the craft. Mm. That's what it was for me. It felt like it, it, this beautiful craft, this like it, when I think about the craft of coaching, I think it is exquisite. I think it is divine. I think it is so pure and so solid and so true and so good. And when you slap life coach on it, it just cheapened it for me. And I think that's because I'm not sure if that's always, I've always thought that, or if it's just been in the recent surge of the, the wild, wild west of the coaching industry, you mm. know, it, it, all the things we talked about in the last episode around the, the, the kinds of things that are being portrayed as coaching, which aren't coaching. It's just, and people are calling themselves a life coach. It's just, it cheapens it for me. Mm. 
I like that. So I've never named that in my head before, but that rings true. That rings true. So even my, now I'm looking at that term that floated in my mind for a while, personal coach, that doesn't even fit either. It's like, you're right. The, the art of coaching is so beautiful. It needs a beautiful name. It does need a beautiful name. Maybe we should come up with one. I mean, like not now on the spot, our ideas are probably <laughs> sound yeah. crazy, but oh gosh. Yeah. I wish there was a really beautiful secondary name that we could call mm -hmm. it. Even like a pet, even if it was like our pet name for it, mm -hmm. it was still called life coaching in the, in the outside world, but affectionately we could call it this other term. Yeah. Um, I I've played around with many different titles. I've played, I've called myself a life coach. I've called myself a transformational life coach. I've called myself by my designation with the ICF. So, you know, when I was a professional certified coach, I tried that on, I was a master certified coach. I tried that on. Um, I've tried many, many different wellness coach, many different titles. And I think what's like at the end of the day, I don't think there's a right or wrong in the, t in the title. It's just like what, and words have so much, words have mean, words carry so much meaning for people. Um, but yeah, I think it comes back down to this beautiful craft that is being widely practiced out of integrity the, and coaching when you just say coaching in and of itself coaching on its own whenever i i tell people even if i just say i'm a coach the first thing people will think about or what con get, gets conjured up is oh you you coach a sports team <laughs> no no i coach like people oh like a life coach i'm like well kind of like that or like you know or like corporate people or life people or in relationships. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I'm a coach. <laughs> we do need to come up with a new name. Yeah, I feel like we should like take, I feel like we should just open up anyone who hears this, anyone yeah. in the MRA, anyone in the world. I feel like somehow people should float us some terms we can start using. It's funny because, um, like from a, from a business perspective, our web designer is always asking, like she wants to optimize SEO and wants to make sure, you know, the website's optimized and the most commonly searched SEO, um, you know, string of words for coaching schools is transformational life coaching school. Hmm. And so from an SEO's perspective, what you're supposed to do is to drive more traffic to your website, you're supposed to put life coach school, transformational life coach school all over your website. And I just struggle so much with it. I understand it makes sense from a business perspective, but I struggle with it. Hmm. So yes, anyone listening to this, if you have ideas of, of, of words that describe this craft, we would love to hear it. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. What, okay. What else we got? We have like a list here. We have going. A list. What else is on our list? Okay. So since we last spoke two weeks ago, a, a, a new docu-series came out, came out on Netflix called um, Escaping Twin Flame Universe. So you've only watched 
about 20 minutes, I binged it in an entire evening because I was just like, I, I was floored. Floored. I was angry. I was so many emotions, but I was, I was thinking, oh, this just sets the coaching industry back. Like, it, it, oh, if you haven't watched it, I'm not even sure I recommend watching it. It's just appalling. It is appalling. It's appalling. It is appalling. That's why I only watched 20 minutes because I was, I might go back. I was so sucked in. Yeah, it, I it, was, I, I was like, oh, but I also have the sense of like, I, I, I can sense how bad this is. I can sense how bad it's going to get. And I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I want to feel all of that. <laughs> I, I dreamt about it for like days after and like had this icky, ick feeling in my inside of me for days. I wanted to like wash it off of me. It was so icky. Mm. So for those of you who haven't seen this docuseries, so the Twins Flame, Twin Flame Universe, it's, it's essentially this couple who, um, who call themselves coaches and, um, and claim to be claim to be, or they, they actually, they make, I think their mistake number one was they, in their coaching program, they made a solid claim that if you join, you will find your twin flame. Like mistake number one, if you join this program, you will get this result. And, and then it just, it really like from that one claim, it just spiraled completely out of control. And so, and it, and it highlights the, oh gosh, what can happen when leaders themselves are not in integrity with the, like not in integrity with themselves first and foremost, and, and not in integrity with their skill set, the craft of the craft of coaching, the craft of holding space for others, guiding people through a process. When egos, when egos get involved, and people start to believe that they are, they are the answer, they are the ones they are, like the almighty, you know, divine connection, you know, at one point in the in the show, they were saying that the the man of the couple, um, he 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 had this direct line to God, and only him, only he could channel who your twin flame was, and it was just Michelle. It was shocking. It was shocking, and it was shocking what people did because of what he told them to do, but. I also saw it from the lens of like someone watching that could think, especially someone outside of the coaching industry could think, how could anyone do those things? Like um, being on the receiving end of that, but being in this industry, I, I can see how that happens. Like, like I really see how that happens. People are looking, people find a sense of community 
in these groups. They find a sense of belonging. They're heard. They're seen. They're coming together for a common purpose, a common goal, even though they're all on individual journeys. And and your your, your clients are in a in a or can be in a vulnerable state or in a that can create heightened vulnerability. And if a leader themselves are not in an integrity, that can create havoc. Hmm. That can that can be incredibly dangerous. Oh yeah. You're making me also think about just like the whole realm of gurus. You know, it's funny, like I, I feel like the coaching industry intersects with this world of spiritual gurus, you know? Whether it's actually spirituality or, you know, like the word channeling the words of channeling the words of God or um, just channeling the most profound business practices that will, if you follow my religion of business, you will be successful and that you it must come through me. It seems crazy. Like, how could people do this? But time and time and time and time and time again, in so many realms, people are susceptible to like these gurus, this person who will save me, show me. Um, it ha it ha does happen. We're susceptible to that as people for whatever reason. And it used to be, I think it used to be, it used to live in the realms of religion and spirituality more. And it's now it's trickled like the, the world of coaching and self-help mm -hmm. it's become the new, it's become the new realm for gurus. Okay. Let's talk about gurus. Mm. Let's talk about the danger of gurus. I have seen that a lot. I have seen coach slash guru. Yeah, I, maybe even in the the only place I've ever seen it is in the coaching spiritual realm. Mm. Yeah. Something about it, when I first started to see it, always made me feel icky. Mm -hmm. It was a, it was an, it was, it's an energy of, um, like enter into my orbit and be, I don't know, changed by my energy or I, you know, my, like you said, <laughs> my, I will channel the, the business strategy for you. I will channel your, you know, in this, in the case of the twin flame universe, your twin flame, or it's this energy of um, hierarchy and uh, like my, as, as a client, I am meant to look up to you. You, you're the power is outside of me. It, yeah. it is inside of you. And what drives me particularly crazy is that these people are really financially successful. Mm. It drives me nuts. Yeah. Like I have a big beef with that. I yeah. do. And and I will still, I still stand by what I said in the last episode that I do think this industry, the bubble is bursting, but I'm still 
like I'm still I still got feelings towards it. I still got some like anger towards it. Um, because how, how on earth are there incredible coaches out in the world who are so skilled at their craft and so in integrity and they're, they're struggling to get clients. How is that fair? And these, these other people who are, uh, it's mind boggling to me how they're, how they are successful. Drives yeah. me crazy. Yeah. I, I totally know what you mean about that sense of unfairness. Like it just seems wrong. It seems backwards. It seems twisted. But you know what? It actually weirdly gives me hope because what it makes me think is if these people who are so devoid of true substance, if these people who... <clears throat> what they're offering is like a facade, a charade, something that will sooner or later, whether it's in uh, one day or 50 years, sooner or later, it, it, truth comes out, like falsehoods fall away always. I believe that always. It's possible and they're worthy of making this money and they just are like, yep, pay me. If those people can do it, then the people who have something so beautiful to offer, mm -hmm. then when they stay, step into, and I'm not saying it's, it's, it's I'm going to make, I'm going to make it sound easier than it is. But if someone who has so something so beautiful to offer, and that's in such deep integrity, I really believe that the more and more those people and those like corners of the coaching industry or the world open up and say, yeah, this is who we are. This is what we have to offer. I believe that that's going to shift in that direction. If, mm. if, if horrible coaches can make a shit ton of money, then profound and amazing coaches who are in the deepest integrity, they can too. It's just, it's just a different path, but it gives me hope for it gives me hope for the good coaches actually i love that perspective i think that was the perspective i was i've been trying to oh, search for you know where's the truth in this mm -hmm. and i think my greatest hope is that as this bubble bursts and however long that takes that the the coaches out there <laughs> any coach listening to this and the coaches out there who are also feeling because I, I hear that a lot. I hear a lot of um, a lot of our alumni talking about the, the frustration of this industry and the wild, wild west nature of this industry. And but I hope they stand solid mm. and un, unwavering, and and also hopeful in this shared vision for what's to come of this industry. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, one thing, one thing that you said to me right before we started recording, you were talking about uh, the frustration of those, like the, the, the coaches, the really good coaches who are out there and feeling so frustrated about um, so many aspects of the industry, like all of these people calling themselves coaches who either are not coaches or not acting in integrity. Um, all of these good coaches feel 
sort of like the backlash of that, you know, they they often bear the brunt of when they're genuinely trying to open themselves up, get clients, they bear the brunt of this bad name that the coaching industry is is giving them. Um, And it's like, you know how you said the bubble is bursting that like, you know, things are shifting. It's a really messy time. It's a really messy time because on the one hand, it's I it feels really important to name these these things about the current coaching industry, whether it's business practices or like just the, the way people are positioning themselves or the energy around it or just random things people are doing. It feels really important to name it and say, no, this isn't coaching. This is what's possible. But at the same time, there's this energy of like people calling out the coaching industry and just like casting this horrible shadow uh, on yes. the whole thing. And so it's like a really challenging time. And you were even mentioning like, yeah, uh, maybe you can, maybe you can oh, pick up yeah. here and tell me something that you were noticing. Yeah. One thing I've been noticing and it, it, it also repulses me, you know, and, I feel like a little bit of a hypocrite, but um, one thing that drives me absolutely crazy. Um, there was a couple coaches I was, you know, that were business coaches that were referred, you know, someone said, oh, you should follow this person. You know, we're really big into integrity in your, your in not just in your coaching, but even how you sell your services, you, you know, and we'll, we'll, let's talk about that a little bit too, of like some of the, some of the ways that that coaches are selling their services that are just oh, just just out of alignment, you know. And so I've been, you know, some people have pointed me in the direction of certain business mentors who seem to be kind of talking about this stuff. And I remember one in particular, and I, I was like sent to her page, and I was like, oh, she's she's like calling it out. She's like talking about all these things and. And then I was, you know, after a while, I was like, this person doesn't even, it just doesn't even talk about business. She just like vents all she does. Every single post she makes is pointing fingers at the coaching industry and all the crazy shit that's happening because there's a lot of it. There is a lot of crazy shit that's happening. But if you're, if you're, and, and she's got, thousands of followers and like if your claim to fame or if your like contribution in the world is just putting other people down and like calling out the industry ugh, yuck also don't like that energy <laughs> you know it is you're right it is such a messy time it's a chaotic messy time yeah it's it's such a fine line uh, and i love i love i love that um i think it's i think it's really in alignment that you were so mindful of it. Like you, when you were telling me about, there's this thing that really bugs me. Wait, I just want to check in. Like, we're not doing this right now, right? right. That's not our energy. We're not just going on like pointing fingers and saying, look how bad everyone else is. And I was like, no, I don't think that's what we're doing. Um, but it's like, it's, Yes, there's a whole bunch of stuff happening in the coaching industry and like the the, the broader personal development, self-help world that's really crappy. But also 
it would be a shame to let that be your entire platform or your entire identity as a coach is to just say how bad it is. It feels like there's such an opportunity right now. Michelle's got some strange things happening in her screen. She makes a lot of thumbs up emotions when she's talking and a lot of expression with her hands so for those of you just listening she's got like balloons coming up in her screen and thumbs up coming up i don't know why it doesn't do it to mine maybe i'm not as expressive with my hands but okay, yeah please continue um it it's so it, so it, it feels like it's really important and also a really good opportunity to make your way through make, like for people to make their way through the phase of what they don't like and also really start building the antidote to all of the the like the sickness and the toxicity in the coaching industry it's a it's an opportunity to step through that and build what's beautiful what's mm -hmm. in integrity what's possible um it just feels like the the ground is Oh, like the time it's like ripening, you know, mm -hmm. it's something beautiful yes. is getting ready to grow out of the things that need to kind of burn down and the, the yeah. ground is fertile for yeah. beautiful growth. Agreed. I, yeah. I totally agree. I think all of these, all of the things, you know, when something truth prevails something as pure and as good and as truly life-changing as the craft of coaching when practiced in integrity that will prevail mm -hmm. and i think what we're experiencing in this mess is the is everything else rumbling everything else being exposed rising to the surface to be healed yeah yeah um it seems like this could probably be the case in tons of there's more balloons this could probably be the case in a million different fields and areas that we're not aware of but it seems like this world of unfortunate business practices and presentation of um coaches as you know in this guru energy and you know just this entire world of coaching it seems susceptible particularly susceptible to this in the coach like the coaching industry seems particularly susceptible because um while coaching is starting to be integrated into all sorts of other businesses and companies and frameworks, like I've heard so many times now, oh, this is our in-house coach. This is our corporate coach. This is the coach for our team. This is, so it's happening. Coaching roles are starting to be roles within organizations, but that's still building. And right now it seems like there aren't enough roles already established inside of businesses to um, give every single person who wants to practice the art of coaching a job. And mm -hmm. so many coaches are left with the root of, 
well, I, I think I might be exploring entrepreneurship now because this seems like something I can, uh, I have control over building for myself. And a lot of people who love the art of coaching feel uh, aren't necessarily skilled business people right out, <laughs> right from the get-go. And so there's this uh, the sense of almost like, oh gosh, not desperation, but I feel so lost. I'm a baby. Somebody please help me. And there's this real gap, this real need for support and expertise. And so it seems like these um, almost, this could sound extreme, my phrasing of this, but like predatory business practices almost are coaches are the, the target right now for a lot of these things because of this new realm they're stepping into. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just the other day, I was having a conversation with uh, an Emory alumni and she was, she's been graduated for several years now and um, was able to do some beautiful things with her business. And, and she was sharing that last year she had a bit of a like a, she she took a little bit of a step back from her business because of a really unfortunate experience she had where she entered into this uh this mastermind this business mastermind and it was one of those it was one of those programs and this is like a very well-known. I didn't know who these, this person was, but just like a quick Google search. And I was like, oh, these, these people are quite big and, and actually affiliated with other school, like coaching schools. And, and, um, she did like their small bite, uh, you know, their small bite offer and, and got some, you know, good, some really good, you know, business results. And then the next step was to, um, go live in this room. I'm not sure if it was for a couple days or if it was for just like an afternoon seminar, but very much like Tony Robbins style where you go into a room and you're hyped up and you're, she, she, what she said was what she realized, what she, she didn't realize there, but what she realized after was that the entire time she was in that room, she was being and her and all the participants, hundreds of participants that were there were being almost like indoctrinated or, 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 um, manipulated into buying the next offer, right? So they got in on this small offer, got some, got some good business results. And then the next offer was like this massive, huge, like $20,000 investment to get to the next level of your business. And what she shared was she, um, it was just, you know, they, the way they positioned it, you had to apply, you had to be at a certain level in your business. It was only for people who were just the way they positioned it was, um, was like kind of consistent and constant. And before she knew it, she signed up like before the end of that program. And and then she had some things that were that changed in her life circumstance and cuz she kind of walked away from that experience thinking wait a second what just happened like you kind of get out of that room and you come back to reality and you're like what just happened there 
And she went and asked for a refund before the program even started. And they said, no, they said, absolutely not. And it was a series of gaslighting behavior around, it was her limiting beliefs getting in the way of thinking she couldn't get her business to a level to get her return on investment. She wasn't putting in the time. She wasn't dedicated enough. She wasn't focused enough. And they refused to give her back a refund on a service they hadn't even started offering to her. Anyways, she pushed and pushed, thank goodness. And I think at the end of the day, she got a partial refund. But what, but what that experience did for her was it was it just like it burst her bubble of this industry. It was mm. like, oh, yuck. She actually even like took a step back for a while of like, what is this? Mm. What is this? Is this what I have to do to become successful? To 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 do what I love to do in the world? Is this like is this? But these the business practices I have to adopt. Is this the way? to be successful here, that feels so yucky. Hmm. Like what a, and, and that is not the first time I've heard of experiences like that. These um, like high pressurized sales, business mentorship, business mastermind groups where someone at the top is the, at the top of the pyramid and is idolized and is like almost like worshiped. And this person is sharing what she or he did to get to where they are. Um, I remember uh, uh, working in a, in a group business mentorship program and the, the leader of the group always talking about her sales and how much she had a, she had an 80 K weekend or like a, 500k launch and and she would that was like her claim to fame it was like the thing she did and she would always talk to us as like her her mentees as and and I would always think like yeah you made that off us <laughs> like you, this is not something you should be like claiming or being proud of like you made that off us sitting here and like we don't want to hear about your money or your numbers we want to learn strategies like it, it's just the, some of the practices are gross. They really are. Yeah. They don't feel good. They don't they, feel good. They don't feel good. Um, oh my God. There's so, there's so, there's so many, but, you know, I was telling the story about the last, last episode, I was telling the story about the program I signed up for that was not what I hoped it would be. When I was on the discovery call, let's call it, <clears throat> the uh, what he said was the price is xyz but if you sign up right now like i have your credit card mm -hmm. before you hang up it's a thousand dollars off and he was like that's just to get you a healthy push to do what's good for you to kind of like override the fear and I did it. <laughs> it like it got me. I I did it. Who knows had I had time to think about it? I don't know if I still would have made that kind of let's call it mistake or chosen that path or not. I don't know. But it got me 
in my head, I was like, I have only a minute or two to decide this. I'm going to miss. I'm going to, here's my window. If I'm going to do it, I want to save a thousand dollars. So let's do it. And it was not, it ended up not being the right choice for me. But in those moments when you don't have a lot of time to think, um, even the rationale of how he said it, I was like, oh, it's believable. I do have fear. It could just be a limiting belief. Uh, okay, let's let's do it. But I've come to believe that that's really, really awful. <laughs> it's really, really awful. And I'm sure different people have different opinions on mm -hmm, this. Mm -hmm. But uh, I know now, for me, if I am ever in that situation again, and someone ever presents a, if you sign up now before you're off for this healthy little push to get you over your fear, like I'm doing you a favor by incentivizing you here. Cause this like, this is, this is for your own good more than mine. If I ever encounter that again, I know it's an automatic no for me. Mm -hmm. I know it's an automatic no for me. Really easy peasy. Because one thing I've learned about myself, and everyone is different, I think there are some people who maybe truly can make aligned de decisions in a more instinctual way. Um, like maybe they don't need time to think about it. Maybe they don't need time to feel it out. That's entirely possible that some people work that way. But I know for me, what works for me is I need to feel something out mm -hmm. for a day or two. And if I still feel the same way, after a day or two, or who knows the amount of time, but like at least a day or two, if I still feel the same way over time, every time I check back in, then I know I can trust it and I know it's in alignment. But I don't personally, I don't know how people do it if they do have like instinctual, clear, immediate responses. I don't have that. So uh, like very often my instinctual response when I wait a couple of days, I'm like, oh no, <laughs> That's wrong. Touch that bullet. Oh, yeah. yeah. So like that's a necessity for me to be in alignment. And I feel like there's a lot of people who are like me that uh, I need time to discern what's right for me. Yeah. And so anytime you're making someone act in urgency, you're taking the risk that they're saying yes to something that's actually not in their best interest. That's actually not in alignment. And do you want that? Do you want to make money off people who this may actually not be in alignment for? Do you like, I don't want that. And it's hard to imagine if somebody does want that, then I don't know if that then that person wouldn't be in alignment for me mm -hmm. to begin with. So that's what would make it a really easy no. And, you know, I really believe like when that was described to me, I'm doing this kind of as a healthy push for you to get over your fear, like really framed that like, this was actually a good thing for me that he was creating this sense of urgency. So what that has, so maybe he really believes that maybe people really believe I'm doing this for you. <laughs> that means that they have to believe that they have to have certainty that their program is for sure beneficial for me at this time in my life and for everyone else. They have to have absolute confidence that their program is right for everyone. And I don't know how anyone could ever know that about somebody else. 
How could you ever know that? How could, how could you be the one to know what somebody else needs? Mm-hmm. I reject that. I, I think someone can know for absolute certain that the program they are offering has deep value and is needed in the world. You get to know that. You get to know your program is beautiful. You get to know your program is valuable. You get to know your program will positively impact hundreds or thousands of people. But I don't believe anyone ever gets to know for anybody else that that what they have is what that person needs. It's 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 too it's too what's the word presumptuous egotistical yes all of those things yeah yeah um what you said about being presented with the if you sign up now and the credit card over the phone that's a big one too i I never liked that business practice i had many mentors tell me this is industry standard this is what you do couldn't do it couldn't do it couldn't do it couldn't ask for someone's credit card over the phone. I think I might've tried it once. And I was like, this doesn't feel good. I'm going to send you a link. And if it still feels good tomorrow, you can type your credit card information in. Because for me, I go through when I'm just in, in my discernment process, I go through waves. I'll go through a really excited wave. And I don't ever want to make decisions from a really excited wave. I go through then fear a fearful wave. I don't want to make decisions from a fearful place either. I need time to ride both those waves to settle into my body and settle into my decision and and and, and go inward and really 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 get right with myself. And my most solid yeses have always come from a really really I don't want to say unemotional, but like, it's not really high and excited and it's not scary. It's not, it's not super, super scary. It's like, it, it could, you know, I, I'll have this saying that if your next best step can terrify your mind and stir your soul. And, and it's almost like when I think of when I think of my next best steps, I actually have to go through the the motion of letting it stir my soul, letting it terrify my mind, coming back and finding like my even keel, like my firm next step on the ground that feels really good and true, that's even and steady, and that's my next step. That's how I know my next step. Yeah. I understand completely and deep. Like, I know exactly what you mean. From the human design lens, we both have um, uh, an emotional solar plexus authority is what they call it. And so you just did a really good job of describing what it is for me too, where it's like, we, there's the emotions that come like, you know, like, like water, they flow up and down in waves and you have to ride it and gather all of the information at the end. There's this sense of like clarity and it's, it's, it's softer. Even if it's positive, it's softer than the wild excitement. And even if there's fear, it's not gripping. It's like, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's clarity. It's gentler and it's durable. 
that kind of clarity is durable. So if you check in on that clarity in a week, yeah, it's still true. In a month, yep, it's still true. And it it's I feel like for me, it's so empowering to make choices from clarity that's durable and not like wildly inspired or like jump on this expansive possibility. It's like that actually doesn't work well for me. It's the expansive possibilities that are there mm-hmm. reliably and durably. It's like, yeah. So I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And don't we want that from our clients? Like, don't we want clients working with us as coaches coming in from that place of deep inner knowing that, yes, I see your offer and, and you know, whatever the, and yes, I want to work with you because this is right and true for me. I do. I do too. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I, I believe that there's only thing one, there's only one thing worse than like from a business perspective, there's only one thing worse than not getting the sale, quote unquote, it's getting the wrong sale. Mm-hmm. It's putting the wrong person in front of you who, who just like, you know, what you were saying earlier, and maybe we, we could talk more to that. If you believe that, you know, it, it's healthy, what's What's healthy is to believe in, in what you have to offer and the skills you have to offer or the programs you've created or the coaching offers you created or whatever, whatever you're putting out into the world to serve to the world. And if you are standing in your true authentic confidence, that comes from something deep within you, regardless of if people are saying yes or no to you. And the seconds our egos get involved in that and we start to think that our offer is here for like you said for everyone and i am here to change the world and i am and when i you know i know if i'm like posturing and i know that what I have to offer you is what you need. It's exactly what you need. And if I'm listening for your objections on a quote unquote sales call, and I'm, I'm, I, I'm looking at those objections, like they're limiting beliefs, getting in the way of getting you to where you need to be. And I am where you need to, I am the one to help you get there. And what's crazy is that most, most business practices a lot of I shouldn't I, I, I don't want to paint the business mentorship world in this in the same brush because I actually don't think I've I've seen extraordinary business mentoring coaches who do not operate this way but the great majority of what I've seen you're actually trained to work through or coach out the common objectives or uh, objections rather that you're going to get from your client you know, if you, if it's the money object objection, you know, how to, how to handle the money objection, or it, it's, it, it's you likely limiting beliefs about their earning potential or about what, you know, the, the, the value of this program or, or sometimes it's the time objection or the spousal, the spouse objection. And you're actually trained how to deal with those specific objections. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's actually quite wild. <laughs> And quite insidious, like you see how it, it can be 
how it can get. Mm. And you, I also see how it's gotten here, how it's gotten here. Mm. I'm just thinking about how opposed what you just described is from the art of coaching. Like someone's yeah. objections coming up and then your job in the sales process is to like blast through them and get through to yes. It's, it's, it's completely the opposite, completely incompatible energy with holding space for someone and listening for their truth. It's, it's, it's wild that those things are supposedly going together right now in the world. Yeah. Wild. Um, there's this, so like 14 years ago, I did this retreat, I guess, this program, and it wasn't necessarily a coaching retreat. It was sort of like a a spiritually coached retreat. It was, it was, I, I don't know the best way to describe it. Somewhere in the self-help realm, let's say. And when I uh, signed up, my ex-husband and I, well, before we were even married, we signed up together to go do it. And then it just so turned, it just turned out that I found out I was pregnant like days before we went. And so I land in this retreat place, newly pregnant, terrified, um, terrified. Our relationship was uncertain at the time. I was so sick, like the nausea and oh, <laughs> just like so many people will understand and relate. I was so sick. I felt so incredibly vulnerable, so incredibly vulnerable. And a few of the parameters of this retreat were that um, many people were in silence the whole time. And so you were really encouraged not to try to, there was, there was very facilitated windows for speaking, but other than that, people, it's almost like people took a vow of silence. And, and so even if you weren't taking it, like you weren't to, like you weren't to bother anybody else. Everyone had a vow of silence. And there were these, um, there was like a dining hall and the food was all, it was definitely all vegetarian, but it might've even been vegan and <laughs> did not appeal to my, uh, very nauseous body. And um, I was separated. All couples were separated from each other. You had to stay in a different room with a roommate. You weren't supposed to interact and you were supposed to go through this. And I was in this place feeling like I am scared. I, I want reassurance. I want to talk to my partner. I want to be in the same room. I want to be held. I want to go home. I want red meat and orange juice and, and, French fries and bread. That's what my body wanted. <clears throat> it didn't want like beans and lentils and random, like they also didn't have salt on anything. And I just wanted salt. And I was like, oh, I can't eat any of this. I'm so sick. I started spiraling down really quickly to a really distraught state. I was so distraught. 
And when I would try to reach out to people like facilitators of the program, they told me a similar thing to, or it was a similar energy to you describing the story of our MRA alumna who was told like, you want to back out because you've got limiting beliefs and all these things. That was the energy that I was met with. Oh, you've got these limiting beliefs and you're almost trying to like, it was like they thought it was like this energy of I'm trying to sabotage this beautiful experience that just could be open to me. And if I reach out to my partner, I'm going to sabotage his experience because of fear. And that's what I'm here to overcome. I'm here to like meet my own needs. Um, I'm here to, it, it sounded really good on paper. You know what I mean? They said certain things that I believe in. Like I'm here to, to, I'm here to meet my own needs. I don't need anybody else. Um, I'm here to connect to uh, God, the universe, whatever. <clears throat> and every time I reached out and was met with that, I, I just like spiraled deeper and I felt so horrible. And I was being told that my needs were wrong. I was being told that like my fears were wrong. That's what I was actually here to fix is all these flawed fears. Look how flawed you are. I was like the most flawed of the flawed. And then, but then it started getting really desperate. Like I could, I was like, I need food. I need different food. You weren't allowed to leave. There wasn't time. And um, I started kind of like getting desperate and crying to people. And what I was told was, um, they told, they pulled me aside and they're like, everyone's getting really fed up with you. And I, oh, I can still feel it in my body. I was like, I have never shrunk. I don't know if I've ever shrunk so small inside in my whole life. Uh, like, I don't know if I've ever felt so bad, so small, so uncared for, so just like, I just felt like a pest, like a nuisance. And so I felt so discarded and so uncared for. Um, and yet I kept just trying to operate and like listen to these people who were so spiritual. These were, these people were so spiritual. They had a spiritual retreat. It was their life's work. They, they must know better than me. What if I am so flawed in my fear? And um, eventually I got like really dehydrated because I was throwing up so much and I also couldn't eat. And I, I realized I have to go to the hospital. Like I have to go to the hospital and I have a fear of hospitals. I have a fear of needles. I have a fear of doctors. I had two home births because I'm afraid of hospitals. <laughs> so I'm in this state and I'm like, I have to go to the hospital. And they were like, and I didn't want to go alone. I wanted my partner to come with me. And they were like, oh, you're going to pull him away from his experience. Oh, that's pretty selfish, eh? And I was like, just crying and like, just crying, <laughs> just crying. And, and so I was like, okay, I guess I'm, I guess I'm not going to. And then I called my parents. I never forget my mom just being like, didn't even respond. The first words out of her mouth were, grab a pen. I'm giving you my credit card number. You're booking a flight home. They oh. were so, they were so alarmed because like, I just, I, I got pulled slowly down this hole in this, in, in this vulnerable state that I couldn't see how sick it was while I was in it. And as soon as my mom just heard this, <laughs> like this alarming, this is psychotic. You're coming home. I'm taking care of you. And that snapped me out of this weird trance. And I was like, okay, okay. 
that's it. Like I, I do need to care for myself. And I went and I like pulled, I like, they interrupted this, this, this room. My partner at the time was in this room and they were so, it was like, you weren't allowed to knock. You weren't allowed to interrupt. You weren't allowed to speak. And here I was doing it. I was like, hmm, I'm telling him I'm leaving. <laughs> and they were so mad and so perturbed, but I did it. And he was like, no, if you're going to leave, like, okay, I'll leave too. And so anyway, he came to the hospital with me and we ended up like leaving the whole thing. But I felt so, I felt so um, preyed upon for a while. But what I realized is, is like, I wasn't preyed upon from any sort of maliciousness. I think that these people were like, we're trying to do good. We're trying to help people. We're trying to help you connect to what's possible for you. We're trying to help you. I think they believe that. And I think that like probably most people who went through the program like got wonderful things out of it. But they thought that they knew because they knew they had something beautiful. They thought that they knew that this was true for everyone and mm -hmm. everyone who came through. This is what they needed. Even this obviously really sick terrified pregnant woman who couldn't eat any of the food like it was wild it was wild that both they and i had such blinders on to believe in like their whatever their doctrine was i had such blinders on to suppress all of my feelings all of my needs all of my instincts all, because i just doubted myself and then they couldn't even look to see because they just believed in what they were offering so strongly that the reality and the truth of the moment was missed. And um, I, I think that that's an extreme case, right? I know that was like, like a, that most people who are signing up for life coaching programs, it's like probably not gonna have something that extreme. But I think flavors of that, it, lighter flavors of that are existing out, out there in the world. And I had forgotten about that story, but when you told me earlier about um, you know, our, our MRA alumna, um, it brought that memory back. And I realized that, um, <clears throat> I thought about it a lot for a long time, but I hadn't thought about it in years. And for whatever reason, the feelings flooded back into my body. And I realized, oh, I'm still carrying this. It still affects me. When I think about so many of those moments, I still feel it grip my stomach and grip my heart. And I still feel really hurt. And I think that, I've been, um, I don't think I'm susceptible in those ways. And I don't think that right now it makes me really doubt myself, but I still feel like the hurt inside of those moments of someone thinking they know better and mm -hmm. someone calling my real, real legitimate needs, um, limiting beliefs. I felt so gaslit and it, it stayed with me and I feel it. I can feel it in me right now. Right before we actually started recording, I was journaling about like, wow, I can't believe I still hurt so much. I can't believe that's so lasting. I can't believe it's still here. What do I need to release this? And I think like there's a certain level of humility that's so important to maintain anytime you're anytime you have something to offer to somebody else keeping a certain level of humility and remembering that you don't know what this person needs you don't you can't know for somebody else 
what program they need. You can't know. You can't know anything for them. Even if you know what you have to offer is valuable, you can't know. And also like whether, whether it's in drawing people in and getting them through your doors, or if it's about like releasing them when they're really not meant to be there, keeping like that sense of humility and remembering that um, you're not the be all end all. And that you, even though you have something beautiful to give, some people might not be meant for you you know, I think is so important because I'm just, you don't want to leave people with this sense of hurt mm -hmm. that I have. I think back to that program and I just think like, wow, so I would never, I can't even remember what they're called. So I couldn't even call them out if I wanted to. I've like blocked, blocked out the company name, but like, I would not recommend them. You know, I would really not recommend them. And I think, um, you know, having a, a having a business that people leave with really good experiences and aren't hurt like this i think is more sustainable and i think is a better business practice long term it's like um you know um the short term pain of getting less clients or losing a couple cuz it's not in alignment is really worth the long term gain of being in integrity and and not harming people. Mm -hmm. That was a long story. <laughs> mm. I felt that mm. I before I before I go on, I'm curious what the answer to your question was. Like, what do I need? Oh, I don't know the answer. Yeah, but, but I was like, well, I'm I'm probably gonna. I, I was like, I think I'll, I'll I think I'll share this. And I was like, that feels good to say it all out loud. For a long time, I couldn't talk about it without being in like really victim mode about it. Um, <clears throat> I really felt harmed in a way that I, um, I felt extremely angry and I felt a lot of anguish. And I can still feel the flavors of that. Um, but now I feel like there's a little disconnect. Like I can, I still feel those feelings, but they're not flooding me. That's not all I can feel and see. I can feel that part of me that I can recognize, oh, there's still hurt and anger and anguish. Like that felt horrible. I can feel it. Um, but it's nice that this was probably the first time I ever told the story that I didn't feel like. I, 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 that I didn't still feel a sense of powerlessness. Like I remember my sense of powerlessness. I know that's how I did feel, but I don't feel powerless right now. And it feels good to share that story and, and honor all of the anger, anguish, powerlessness of the time, and also have one foot solidly standing like, but I don't feel vulnerable right now. I do. I have mm -hmm. one foot in my own power and safety and, um, so that feels good. That was that I think that was the only answer I came to is next best step is ooh, say this story out loud. Mm. And, I, and I don't know if I don't know what that's done and I don't know what the next best step to releasing that will be, but um I yeah, I've I've lately the theme is saying things out loud to people who can really hear and see me 
from the truest place I'm able to share them has been helping me in, in multiple realms. There's a medicine to that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. As you're sharing your story and something you said just made me start to think deeply about the experience of being a coach and, you know, putting out your offers to the world and how vulnerable, vulnerable of an experience that is. So what you said was that, you know, like what they had, like they truly believed that what they had to offer was good. Like it was coming from a good place. But the problem was that overrided, you know, what your true needs were and what you were, you know, what you, what you truly needed in that, in that moment and in that time. Mm -hmm. Business, I probably shared this many, many times, but I've always said that business, business, it has been the, 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 the greatest outlet for my growth Mm. beyond anything else I've ever experienced beyond motherhood has allowed me to grow and partnership marriage has helped me to grow all these things. But business, it's probably because it's the thing I have most wrestled with, (laughs) um, that it's been my, my biggest outlet for growth in my entire life. And I remember, I remember uh, several years ago having this (laughs) drop down to my knees, I surrender in tears. I don't even know if I want to do this anymore. I love what I do. I love my craft. I, this feels like it's like a, you know, this, this is coming from my soul, but fuck, I don't want to do business like this. I don't want to feel this anymore. Mm. And I remember, um, I remember having this conversation. I was at my, my parents' house and um, was with my family and my brother was there too. And my brother's a real estate agent. And my brother's got a way thicker skin than me, you know, and he, we were talking about the, just the challenges of growing a business and the, and the challenges of sales. And what I, what I was trying to explain to them was like, when I develop a program, it's like this thing coming from my heart and soul and I'm putting it out to the world and you get a hundred no's for, you know, every five yeses or whatever the ratio is. I actually don't know. That might be high. But anyways, you get lots of, every no feels like a, not a no, it, what it feels like in the early stages of business, every no feels like a no to you mm-hmm. and not a no to the offer or the, the, the offer you're providing because it's this offer feels like it's born from you. It's like been like taken from your heart and burst out into the world. And so what I was breaking down from was just like the, the, the whole process of sales, all the nose in your face, the, you know, it was just um, painful. And I remember my brother saying, like, as a real estate agent, he's like, people say no to me. I don't, I just move on, like move on to the next person. And at that moment, I realized, yeah, because there's a house standing in between you and the client. There's a product standing in between you and the client that they're saying no to. It's not you. I mean, I guess in some instances it is. But, you know, in my head, it was 
you're selling something. If you're selling something, if you're selling a product, someone's saying no to your product. If you're selling something that has been birthed from your being, that you believe to be something good that's going to help and heal the world, it feels very vulnerable. It actually feels like you're standing naked to an audience saying like, do you choose me? It's very, very vulnerable. And, but the problem in my thinking was like there, my thinking was flawed and I had to go, I had to really, 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 really wrestle with this to come to the understanding that what I'm offering to the world is separate than me. And it's, it's separate than me. And it's not for everyone. And that's a hard and humbling truth as a business owner who's selling something that feels sacred to them. Um, it's been a, it's been a very intense journey of, of growth to get to a place where your no doesn't mean I'm not valuable as a human. When I think my value resides in your yes, or your acceptance of me or your acceptance in, or your experience in this program, then all my protections go up. I can't hear you when you're telling me this isn't for me. I don't feel good. I need to go to the hospital. <laughs> like, right? Do you know what I mean? I can't hear you because I'm in, I'm be, I'm protecting my value because I have baked my value into this experience that you're, I'm giving you. Hmm. Did you ever, so I, I know, and I hear you saying you struggled in the part where like, oof, it like, it felt so, it felt hard to hear, but did you ever struggle? Did you ever have that piece early on where you wanted to try to like keep people in, like make them come in to prove you and what you're offering was valuable. Did you ever struggle with that piece of trying to like either coerce people in or hold them here once they were here? Mm. Oh, that's a good question. No, I never, um, no, no. I think that a lot of the business practices that I had been taught early on when I first became an entrepreneur, I rejected many of them because um, they simply didn't feel good to me. Hmm. And the way they were being practiced on me, I was like, this doesn't feel good. Like right. this doesn't feel good. So no, no. Here's a follow-up question. Did your mentor, yeah. did your business mentors tell you that it was your limiting beliefs why you didn't like these business practices? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I remember a business mentor being flabbergasted that I wouldn't take credit cards over the phone. Mm. Like that I wouldn't accept that as a business practice and wanting a coaching session, a one-on-one -on -one to be about that. Mm. When I was just like, I just don't want to do that. It just doesn't, what's the difference? There's no difference to me to 
someone says yes on a discovery call. And then I'm like, great, I will draft up your contract and I'll send you, once you sign the contract, then I send you your invoice. There's days that go by in that process where someone reads a really thorough contract, the agreement's all laid out, they know exactly what they're getting, they sign it, and once they sign it, I know that they've had time to ride whatever wave they need to ride, and they're a yes. Mm. You send the invoice, after someone signed a contract, no one's ever not paid the invoice. However, a couple, like a, ha a small handful of times, someone said yes on a call, then they've had time to read through the contract, sat with their emotions and come back and said no. Mm. Right. So to me, it's like capturing someone's credit card on the phone feels possessive. And, ooh, and I'm, and I'm, I am not saying that that's, if that, if that works for you and it feels good to you and you're doing that and it, and it works for your business backend processes, that's absolutely wonderful, but it just never felt good to me. Mm. I, I think that's so important because like right now, what we're sharing are, okay, some of the examples of what hasn't felt good to you, what hasn't felt good to me, but it's really not even about those specific practices. It's about people feeling empowered to take the time to do their own discernment about how they want to operate in business. And it's not going to be the same for everyone. You know, mm -hmm. like there's probably a world in which there's someone who just loves business so much that they're just like, no, like I, lo I love it. Like, I just want to let's just let's and maybe it's more play. Like I could see a world. I, I know some people who think business is like play and yeah. even, th even things that, you know, are kind of like high pressure sales tactics. It's it's all part of the play for them. And it's like, yeah. great, that's a lot. That's alignment for you. Wonderful. But anything that anyone tells you, this is how it's done. I would just love for, in all cases, people being able to look at that, feel that, and decide for themselves if that's how they're going to do it. it. It seems so unfortunate that um, so much business advice comes with this energy of, if you don't do this, you're not going to be successful. Mm -hmm. It's so unfortunate. So, So mm -hmm. even though something doesn't feel right, there's a fear that if I don't do this, I won't be successful. And I think that's really the unfortunate part of the things that don't feel good to you as a business owner or an entrepreneur uh, or a coach just trying to, you know, navigate wherever they want to do their coaching. It's so unfortunate to feel like there's a way it's done. And if I don't do it that way, I'm scared that I won't be successful. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. For everything that I'm sensitive about, there's going to be other people who are also sensitive about those same things. For everything that you're sensitive about, there's going to be people out there sensitive about the same things. Um, I think about for a long time in a lot of our uh, coaching circles and, you know, conversations with students, there was a real theme trying to discern um, whether social media was for them or not. You know, there is this real Always. struggle, yeah. right? And like, well, what if I hate it? Like, I detest it. I don't want to be there. I just, but I, I know I have to. But it's like, no, do you have to? You just have to. Yeah. If it crushes your soul, you don't have to. There's, there's always a way that feels good to your particular heart and body and soul. 
I think with when it comes to business and when it comes to this industry, you know, like good and true must prevail. Like good and true must prevail. And I remember my, before I worked, I, I, I was a coach and before I worked with any business mentor, I'd been years, I had been coaching for years before I worked with my first business mentor. But I just had the belief, and this is still true to this day, this is probably my, my greatest like business motto to this day, was just this belief that if you show up for this one, you know, at that time I had one client, the first client I ever worked with. And my belief was if I showed up for this one client who was paying me $50 a session at the time, my first paying client, if I show up for her and I embody all the skills that I have amassed over the years of coaching and I, and I just commit to being the best coach I can possibly be for this human. Whether she's paying me $50 or thousands of dollars, right? Like then if I just showed up, the, the, the business would grow, the rest would come. And that's how my business grew when I, when I was coaching that one client referred me to her friends, started coaching her friends and then her fr their friends referred me out to their friends and family and then their friends and family referred out at one point i think it was near the first year after the first year of my business when it really began to take off of my coaching practice i actually did a map of all my clients because it was largely referral based i was barely on social media at the time i started a newsletter i was doing a monday morning pep talks every week but I can't remember the exact percentage, but it was really high percentage that I was able to map back to that, oops, to that singular client. And, and so that motto of just being in like humble, true, honest service is what grew my business completely organically. And we've always had that exact motto in the MRA right? We're not a, we're, we always say we're not a coach pumping out factory. We're not, we're not for everyone, but man, do we show up for our students? Do we show up for this work? Do we show up for this curriculum? Do we show up for this profession and this industry? And our client base, our student base for the MRA has been largely through referrals. Mm -hmm. And that has to be enough. Hmm. What did your business mentors tell you about that? That that would only get me so far. Hmm. Yeah, that that would only get me so far. And I remember a point at a point in time when it was time to start looking at uh, the next stage in growth in business. And uh, the big trend at that point was Facebook ads. So it was time that I start looking at Facebook ads. So I thought, okay, well, I guess if I want to grow, I got to go to Facebook ads. And like, I hate Facebook. <laughs> uh, when I'm on Facebook, I'm confused. Mm. I, I'm so sensitive to 
dingers and things going on that when I'm on Facebook, I don't know where I am. I'm like disoriented. I'm discombobulated. I don't like the platform. I don't like the layouts. It's too busy. There's too many messages. There's too many notifications. It's really busy for me. I don't like the platform. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I decided, okay, well, I guess I got to, that, that was my next step. I guess I got to go do some Facebook ads now. And I hired a really amazing Facebook ad strategist and I love her, love her. I just adore her. And um, so someone I felt aligned with and I really, really trusted. Um, and I went that direction. We poured all sorts of money into Facebook ads. The first month it wasn't working. The second month it wasn't working. And then by this time, you're like, you're already thousands of dollars in not seeing the benefits of it. And I've already poured all this work and all this money on it. It's kind of like a, you get into this pattern of like, do you give it one more month? Like, or do you just call this a wash? And, um, you know, all the algorithms were changing and my Facebook ads manager, she was just like, so she's not doing it anymore, but her name is Katie. And she was just like amazing and lovely. And she was like, geez, the algorithms are changing. I don't know what's like, what's happening here. And at one point she's like, Taryn, I got to tell you, cause I care about you too much. You got to pull out. This is a dying platform. You have to stop. And she actually stopped working on Facebook very shortly after that and, and, and went back to HR in, in, a, in a different company. But I think we had poured forty dollars to $50,000. Like when I say a lot of money, there's a lot of money that got poured into that. And from some business advice that told me I won't scale or I won't grow, unless I, you know, through the way I've been growing through referrals, if I don't do this thing over here, my mistake, like totally, I take full ownership of that mistake. <laughs> and um, yeah, you know, going against what, you know, if I think about that experience led to, um, a complete, uh, like a little breakdown within, I shouldn't say breakdown. I would say like a cleansing mm. <laughs> within our business where we looked at everything, every expense, every penny that didn't feel perfectly aligned, that didn't feel like that clean and clear energy gone out you go out you go from our budget. We had a, a you know, a, I think at one year, a hundred thousand dollar marketing budget. And we we bring it down to zero dollars because we realized everything outside of us that we're pouring money into, not in alignment with us. Mm. And, and we're going to grow this business the way that feels good and true and right. And it might not be fast and furious and sexy, but it's going to be steady. It's going to be firmly like planted and it's going to be what's standing at the end. Hmm. You know? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, is there anything about okay, so I'm I like I'm a little biased and I know that the way that you do things and the way that we do things in the MRA, I know is not the be all end all way that everybody has to do it. But do you want to share like 
What is your policy on letting people leave? So say someone has signed up for a program they think they're they think it's going to be good, but for one reason or another, they want to walk mm -hmm. away again. What what are your beliefs around that? Okay. So I was taught no refunds. <laughs> no refund policy. Pay in full and no refunds. Um so okay, so from a business perspective, what is really important to me is that when people say yes, they mean it. Because we pour an enormous amount of energy into um holding a spot for someone here. And someone saying yes takes that spot away from someone else joining our program. And so when we make a commitment to you, like we're expecting you to 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 make that same level of commitment to us. So right away in the sales process, that's really like that level of commitment from a from a new student for us is incredibly important. The student has to be ready. And so we have language in our service agreement around around that. We have a whole we have language around um you know, our own commitment to financial peace in the MRA and what that means when, what, what that means for students, what that means for us and how we come into alignment with each other. And so we, that's really, really important. And I also know that things can happen in people's lives where situations change. And so our policy is if someone were to leave before the end of a program, we would, like they would pay up until the point they left, whatever amount of money that was, and then they'd be released. And there would never be a, um, there would never be an argument, you know, a, 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 you have to prove why you're leaving. You'd never, no, like I, I trust that you know if this is, if you need to go. <laughs> I don't want to hold on to you or your money or your seat here if this is not where you're supposed to be at this time or if there's a there's an emergency happening in your life where this is not the right time to be here to commit to this process. And so I fully fully trust in someone's knowing of whether or not that they can continue here. And while also trusting the process of them saying yes. Yeah. So it's kind of holding two things, like kind of two, two realities, two truths at the same time. You know what I mean? Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, totally. Um, is there anything else about the way that we do things in the MRA that feels really important and in integrity that you're not seeing in the general wild wild west of coaching out there mm. so kelly our director of admissions she had um a discovery call the other the other night with a uh, potential new student who might be joining us in our next cohort and she said to kelly you are my sixth call that i've had with a coaching school and not one of them led with tell me about you except Kelly. Kelly jumps on the call and wants to know, tell me about you. What led you here? What, what's inside you that wants to become a coach? It's about the person first, 
And then about like, she's right. She wants to learn about the human in front of her because mm. that truly is our why. And then she'll talk about our program to see if there's a match for that human in front of her. Whereas all these other calls she had with other coaching schools, they're just pitch. They, they didn't even ask her who she is or what she wants out of this. It was just a big information or a pitch dump about their school. And I thought, cause I'm not on those discovery calls. So I thought that was really cool to hear, you know, that Kelly's a trained coach. So of course she leads with, tell me about yourself. And she's not um, trying to get the wrong person to say yes. She is in so much integrity around, we want the right people here. Hmm. We want our soulmate students here. And, and to get to our soulmate students, we know we're going to get other, you were going to have to sift through all sorts of other people who aren't aligned to, to us, but we want our soulmate. That's who we're here for. We're here for our soulmate student. We're not a massively big organization because we choose to be, we choose to be small. We choose to be intimate. We choose to be a boutique Academy for that reason. We're like we lead with our, with our hearts. Yeah. Again, I know I'm biased, but, and then you, uh, the students who end up in our groups, in our pods, the students who end up in my groups, um, I often sit back and think I'm getting more used to it now, but I sit, I sit back and be like, wow, there's so many great people in the world. It was like the, the, the most wonderful people with like the oh, best <laughs> hearts and like, just, just like the best people. Uh, it, it started making me shift my, it started world helping you. me. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, there is such hope for the world because such wonderful, like, I, I'm not just like saying this, like, they're great. No, like, no, no the most incredible human beings yeah are drawn here and here they are time after time cohort yeah. after cohort there's this group of people who is so astoundingly amazing that at first it intimidated me i remember being like wow like these people are so incredible like who am i to hold this space for them and now it's just like oh wow look at all the beautiful people in the world if there's this many beautiful people in the world coming here then there's hope there's hope yeah. in the world, right? Yeah. So, you know, that process that Kelly goes through, the, you know, the process of of uh discovery calls and onboarding and um it really does result in something wonderful. I'm so glad that in some way or another, through her embodying the energy of the MRA and those discovery calls. I'm so glad that she probably also repels the people who aren't in alignment. Mm -hmm. I'm so happy they don't end up in the classroom. And I bet you there's so many coaches who are just coaching one-on-one -on -one who would be much happier if they repelled the people that weren't mm -hmm. in alignment for them. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say, for for coaches out there listening to this thinking like how could i get how could i call in more and more of my soulmate clients getting really really clear about who it is you're here to serve like, who is that human um for the mra it's a it's it's not just anyone who wants to be a coach it really isn't it is for the deep feeler <laughs> 
for the for the for the human who wants to make a big impact in the world whether that's like in their family in their community in their practice in their workplace it's like when i think of the the soulmate student for the emirates actually a feeling i get in my body mm. and i am so crystal clear about who that person is that everything we when you know so many of our 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 soulmate students when they land on our website that's usually the first place they go and they've and this is something that 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 Kelly's been told a lot was gosh i felt like i was coming home like just being on the website felt like coming home and i'm like oh yes like i go tell amy our graphic designer and our website designer you just like captured us perfectly on the website right but everything we write everything we our messaging, everything we say is to that human. And, 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 and that, that sometimes means saying no. Yeah. Things that are out of alignment with that. Even when you're saying no to a sale or to a client, right? Like opportunities, being so devoted and dedicated to who, who it is you're calling in and who you're here to serve. Yeah. And then when you've got that, that even if it's one person paying you $50, and that's your entire coaching roster is one person and you're making $50 a week, show up for that one person like you would if you were making hundreds and thousands of dollars in your coaching practice, show up for them mm -hmm. with the, with the purest of intentions and, and the gratefulness of hearts, you know? Yeah. And, and watch slowly, but surely watch what happens. Yeah. I want to add one thing to the list of the soulmate students. Some soulmate students also just yearn for this big impact on themselves. Yeah. 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 They want to change their worlds. Yeah. Our soulmate students are so devoted to doing the work. Mm -hmm. And to looking inward and to the, the, our soulmate students have this humbleness, like they can, you know, so much of what we do in the coach training is like, we look at ourselves, we look at our humanness, we look at the ways we're wired to see the world, we're wired to hear people. And that takes an enormous amount of humility to realize, oh, I'm actually a really poor listener. I actually make things about me. It's human nature. It's what we do. It takes undoing and unlearning. And, and our soulmate students are the ones kind of like, like humbly laughing at themselves and like raising their hand in class and sharing, oh shit, I'm really struggling with this one. But, but in the name of learning and unwiring and just humbly allowing themselves to embody a coach's mind. Mm. I mean, maybe that right there is actually a pretty good description of what's missing from the wild, wild west of coaching, you know? Yeah. Like, which is, it's, it's, it's actually built into our program, which I don't know what other programs entail. I've never been into another coaching school, but um, that example you gave, that actually very literally happens every cohort. We have a lab on authentic listening. And we explore our listening really honestly. And I remember the first time I did the exercise, the, 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 you know, you led us through the exercise. There's an offering that 
if you're an observer and you're practicing listening and it serves you, you can make ticks on a piece of paper every time you notice that either you've gone off on a tangent on your head in your head or you've just thought of your own stories or you've done something that isn't pure, present, authentic listening. And I did, I thought, okay, I'm, I've always been told my whole life I was a good listener on my report cards. Michelle is a very conscientious student. She's an excellent listener. You know, I, I thought, mm. oh, I am such a good listener. Oh my gosh, I'm going to rock this. So I'm doing this exercise and I'm like, oh, oh yeah. Oops, oops. And at the end of like, I don't know the time frame, but I had like 25, 30 ticks on the paper and I was like, oh, I'm not so good a listener actually, you know, but not in such a way to feel bad about myself more just like, whoa, this is a different skill we're learning. This is this is something to actually be practiced. Listening to another human in some ways is so natural and intuitive, but to do it masterfully and powerfully takes some practice and some thought and some intention and some, yeah, and some humility and willing willingness to look at yourself and be like, oh, room for growth over here. <laughs> Right. And, and, and I think like, gosh, and then all of our students lean into that so beautifully and honestly. And, and every time we do that, I, the exact same things come up from students that came up inside of me, like, whoa, I was in my head. I was thinking about my stories and they just reveal themselves. They reveal the process they're going through. And like that type of transparency that mm -hmm. type of humanity, humbleness, practice, like, and then from there, okay, yeah, look what's happening. What does that mean? How do I get better at the skill of actually listening to another human? What do I, how do I manage that when their story makes me think about my story and I want to tell them what I did to make it better? How do I, what, how do I do that? And that process of self-reflection and learning, um, I, I think that beautiful, beautiful, beautiful process is yeah, is really something that feels like it's missing from the wild, wild west of coaching, at least the wild, wild west that I see from, you know, from the outside looking in. Yeah. Okay. So I'm looking at our little list we had prepared. Mm. Um, one thing you we didn't share yet was this metaphor. Oh, yeah. That you had come up with. You want to you want to go there? Yeah. So um, one thing that you said that I really liked is like, okay, we're going to share a bunch of stuff that we don't like about the wild, wild west. And um, we also really want to, I mean, one, it feels good to vent it, right? <laughs> but but mostly, mostly, um, let's kind of name what's not not in alignment, what we don't like, and then focus on do we want? What is the solution? What is, mm -hmm. what is the vision we want to create? What do we hope for the coaching industry? And um, so what I would love, if I could, if I could have anything happen to the wild, wild west of the coaching industry, the shift that I would have happen is um, similar to a uh, a shift in like the religious trends that happened in Europe in like the 16th century, like in the 1500s. So, and I mean, not inside, I don't even mean inside the beautiful coaching conversations themselves, because anyone who goes to a really good quality 
ICF accredited coaching school, they'll learn a beautiful craft. Mm-hmm. They, it's such a beautiful craft. Mm-hmm. It's just that this whole, this wild, wild west of the coaching industry, it's just, it's, it's messy. So what I'm talking about the shift, the shift I'm going to describe is like in, in that whole realm when religion sort of ruled the world, like there was rulers, but then religion had a, a very strong influence on the world. Way back then, people used to believe that in order to have a good relationship with God or get into heaven or be forgiven, they had to go to priests who then, you know, there was a hierarchy, right? It was the Pope and then archbishops and bishops and priests. I'm sure there's other ever other levels in there. But the average person didn't have a direct relationship to God. They had to go to the priest. And in fact, not only did you have to go to a priest for forgiveness, but you had to pay to get forgiven by God so you could go to heaven. So these poor people who are probably humble farmers and, you know, whatever, working the land or doing whatever, um, if they had done something wrong and something was weighing on their soul, they would gather up all of their money and they would pay a priest and he would say, yes, okay, you're forgiven. And at a certain point that started to shift, I think it was Martin Luther was one of the people who started putting out these new ideas about all these reforms to make in in the church and in religion. And one of them was that instead of um instead of people needing priests to connect to God, every person, it was kind of like oh, what was the phrase? Something like a a, a priesthood of every person. Mm-hmm. So it it shifted to you get to have your own relationship with God and therefore your own relationship with salvation and forgiveness and goodness and direction and your own interpretation of the Bible or what, you know, what was good and what was right and what was moral. And and so people became really empowered and, um, and anyway, so the things like over time shifted and now we're sitting in a place where I would say most people now who are religious or spiritual, they kind of, that they would buy into that idea that we each have our own connection to the divine in whatever way you conceptualize the divine or God. And um, that's more of the standard now. And I would love to see the whole coaching industry shift away from these like gurus and these business experts and these coaches uh, who have these coaching programs that are really flashy, sexy, high pressure. Come to me, I'll give you my magic and teach you my ways. And, you know, people flocking to them like, I'll give you my money for salvation. You know, I would love to see it shift away from that. And, Um, All of these coaches who already have this beautiful training, I would love to see them find their own empowerment. And that doesn't mean they never need support or they never need community or they never need new learnings, but just to trust in themselves, discern for themselves what feels right, discern for themselves what business practices feel good, discern for themselves um, the type of coach they want to be. I have this feeling that if everyone who adored coaching tapped into 
figuring out and discerning how they wanted to express their coaching in the world, the most remarkable new ideas would emerge. Mm -hmm. oh, like just the most remarkable new ideas would emerge. And, um, and all of these people who are selling false promises, false salvation, they would fall by the wayside. And the people left would be people with such integrity who mm -hmm. were really offering something valuable. That, so that, that, that's, that's the metaphor and that's the shift that I would love to see. Mm. I love that shift. Yeah. Yeah. I believe in that shift. I believe it's coming. Um, I have, yeah, I, I think I feel a, I feel a personal fire to help like bring that shift forward in the world. I don't know what that looks like yet. I'm playing with these yearnings, um, other than having conversations like these, like to bring awareness to people about what coaching is, what it isn't, you know, what, what we see from our perspective. Um, I have, I'm holding on to this vision of all of those incredible, I am such a, I believe that what the, what the, the power of coaching helps someone to like access that connection to whatever the divine is for them. It doesn't even have, it doesn't have to be spiritual. It can be like their truth, their wisdom, their deepest knowing the the most powerful coaches aren't going to give you anything. They're not going to give you advice. They're not going to give you answers. They're not going to give you the way. They're not going to be your guru. They're going to hold such pure space for you so that you can find your own answers. Who doesn't need that? Like who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want to be held in that way and to be strengthened in that way and to be Oh my gosh, it's the greatest gift you could give to another. I I could believe it with every ounce of my being. And I want to be, I want to, I want to be part of the shift in the world that just burst this bubble. And, you know, I want to be part of the shift in the world that helps to bring this new reality to fruition. Mm. I want our, you know, I think about all of our incredible alumni and the skills that they have. And I want to see every single one of them with fully expressing these gifts to the world, whatever that looks like. Some of them are not here to have coaching businesses. Some of them are leaders in the workplace. Some of them are, are mothers doing this with their families, whatever that is. I, I want to see the true art of coaching being fully expressed in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting also this image, you know, you know, what other shift I'd love to see, but I think it's, I think it's inevitable. I think it's natural. I think I have no idea about the timeline, but I know it's coming. Is like I'm imagining all of these coaching conversations uh, that all of our students are going out into the world and having. So like one, just when you go through the program, you get coached a lot and you coach other people a lot. And so not only are you learning to coach, but oh, you're the beneficiary of such beautiful space being held for you and you feel the impact, the positive impact in your own life. And those people go out in the world and they do the same for others who then go, oh, this is great. And that spreads almost like, you know, the mycelial network under mm. the earth, like the way like the, like the mushroom network spreads. That happens because once you're touched by that, you're like, 
oh, that feels good. <laughs> you know, it just, it spreads to more and more people. And then all of a sudden, wherever those people are who have been touched by it, whatever organizations they're in, it's almost like, so the mycelial network spreads and then mushrooms pop up like magically from it, but you don't see the mushrooms spread on the surface. They spread under the surface. So all of these people who are being touched by the power of coaching, um, wherever they are, whether they're a firefighter or a government worker or a lawyer, like wherever, whatever organization they're in, they're going to bring with them the power of coaching and it's going to pop up like a mushroom. And then the roles are going to start to pop up in all these organizations. And that will be a really beautiful thing because like yeah. right, right now it's happening, but it's not prolific. It's not everywhere. But imagine when it starts to be, imagine when every organization, every team, every department in the government has like, a coach ah oh. and yeah. then and then also when that's the case all of these other fluffy little salesy things with no substance that will just fall away it will it will just fall away and what is good and true will remain yeah mushrooms and coaching <laughs> mushrooms and coaching yeah i want to see that is the vision that's the vision i'm holding yeah, that's the vision I want to help birth into the world. Mm -hmm. I, I, we probably won't talk about them now, but I, you have some good ideas that I really love that I know you're are percolating in the back of your mind. Mm. Are you talking about like some of the partnerships or what, what ideas are you referring to? Yeah, partnerships, some of the like, I don't know how much I should say right now, right? Because they're like baby ideas that it's like, um, I know one thing you'd like to do if you have the ability to personally create avenues for coaches yeah. to start working, you would like to do that. Yes, absolutely. One thing that I really want the MRA to focus on in 2024 and beyond, and we've already started, but I want us to ramp this up, like turn the dial way up, is creating is creating more awareness in the in the in the industry i'm not talking about the coaching industry i'm just actually talking about the world more awareness in the world about coaching and the benefits of coaching partnering with organizations whether they're private companies government organizations and um getting our mra coaches into these organizations so that they can go do their work <laughs> we need them going to do their work in the world i feel it like a fire inside mm. and uh, yeah, I feel very personally, I feel a very personal, personally called mission to help that happen. Yeah. I can feel your, I don't know, when you get like this, you make things happen. So I'm really excited to see mm -hmm. whatever it looks like, whatever the ultimate expression is, I'm excited to see. Mm. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you. Did we touch on everything I think we did i'm looking at my little list i think we did i think we've now i think our last episode was nearly two hours this one's nearly two hours i think we've just really solidly covered how we feel about the wild wild west of the coaching industry i feel, perhaps more to come but yeah yeah i feel pretty complete now we'll see I if more comes in of, yeah i feel a sense of completion with this conversation yeah thanks so this is lovely yeah, as always.
Thank you so much for being part of this conversation. If it serves you, take a moment to contemplate what your golden nugget is from this exploration. And if you feel inspired, please feel free to share it with us in the comments of this episode on our YouTube channel. To learn more about the MRA and our renowned flagship Mind Rebel Coach Training Series that begins once a year in the spring, please visit our website at www.themindrebel.com.